Welcome everyone, we are about to begin, Be'ezus Hashem, Feedback and Insights number 31, email address shalombayas777 at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to talk today about the impact of marital disharmony on children, young children, as well as teenagers. And um, this became well known back in 2007. A letter was written to Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz and Rabbi Sian Saratskin wrote, um, you know, to comment on that letter. And um, very often, um, teens at risk, where we sometimes... Um, blame the internet and, um, you know, maybe bad friends and environments and so on. But a lot of that does come from challenges in the teenager's home life uh, that uh, it, uh, negatively impacted their emotional development based on the strife that, um, that took place in the home between... Um, the teenager's parents. Rapam Zechatzalikavrochi used to say that the formula to success with one's children is 50% Tvila and 50% Shalom Bias. And um, that's what I want to discuss today. And again, any couple, husband and wife, that has young children from even preschoolers going all the way to teenage years and even later teenage years need to hear this. And um, besides the fact for your own marriage um, to heal, and even those of you that are at a stage where, you know, you're thinking about separating or divorce and things like that, uh, which is a separate subject, but even if you're at that point, you still need to behave in a way that is calm and um, in a way that does not negatively impact the children. So the letter that was written to Rabbi Yaakov Horowitz, I'm not going to quote the whole letter, just small pieces of it. The anonymous Bacher who wrote it um, said that he felt... Um, shame from when he was a little child. He noticed from a quite a young age that his parents didn't express any joy at being with each other, and they criticized each other harshly, and they always found something to criticize about me, you know, the, the, the Bacher is talking. My parents would argue in my presence in loud voices, often yelling at each other in anger. Terrified at what might happen, I would withdraw to stun silence. When I was finally able to speak, I would plead with them to stop fighting, but they were still trying to prove themselves right in my eyes, which seemed to me like they were expecting me to solve their problems. By the way, that's also um, a big issue where the parents get their kids involved in their spats and trying to um, bring them in to their arguments, which takes a big toll on them. And um, he writes that if only my parents had seen my pain them when I was a kid who needed soothing, if only they would have realized that their bickering and fighting was making my life miserable. 
and that destroying their beloved child's happiness was far too high a price to pay for the feeling of having won an argument. Maybe they would have stopped and made peace with each other so that they can together focus on their vulnerable little boy who needed his mother and father so much. Maybe then they would have been at my side to help me grow up happy and healthy. Maybe I would have not have lived in deep shame and loneliness for so many years, thinking that I had been forsaken by everyone and certain that no one cared about me. And um, I tell my mother I had a tough time as a teenager. She's shocked and disappointed that I never shared anything with her about my life. She deeply regrets not having, not having been able to give me support. My father tries so hard to make me happy, and he also cares about me, but I never shared anything with him either. I am currently a regular yeshiva at 19, so I did not get any support from people as I might have if I had gone off the derech, which is an interesting insight. Because um, often if someone does go off the derech, I mean, Baruch Hashem, especially these, these days, there's so many good organizations and wonderful people that um, talk to them and, and um, encourage them and... Um, find a place for them where they could, a safe place where they could talk and um, and go, you know, as they're going through whatever they're going through. But if someone's not off the derech, and he's technically, you know, in the straight and narrow, and uh, people think externally that they're doing okay and they're very far from being okay. Um, and the Bacher also writes that he's very lonely and I wish I could get married already to someone who will be my friend. But as I keep thinking about my parents' lives and their marriage, and I'm petrified of repeating the unstable environment in which I spent my painful childhood years. So I'm working on changing the way I feel in order so I can prepare to start a healthy home of my own. And he pleads this bacher to take that each parent, the parents should always take a good look at their children and realize the effect of their arguments and spats have on their children um, that could cause tremendous amount of emotional pain and damage for them, which I'm sure that neither one of the parents would wish to inflict on their child. So this is a sort of a rough, um, you know, uh, snapshot of what this 90-year-old bracha wrote to Rav Horowitz back in 2007, I think it was, and this was brought to the attention of the Dr. Benzin Saratskin. And uh, he comments on this as well. And he's very moved by it. And um, he says something, he says as follows. He says, common sense would su- suggest that the children who are exposed to parental conflict over a prolonged period of time would get used to it. But many studies show that this is not the case. The reason for this is, is because the children's exposure to parental conflict increases their feelings of emotional insecurity, thus decreasing their capacity for regulating emotion and behavior, leaving them more prone to feel fear and distress and anger. And he says that there is overwhelming research and clinical evidence that connects chronic marital conflict with children's adjustment difficulties in life. And um, so he says, for example, 
um, if they sense a perceived threat, meaning if the children believe that the conflict between their parents will escalate and result in harm to oneself or one's family, and then there's self-blame as well. Children very often hold themselves personally responsible for their parents' quarrels. And those are factors that shape the child's and teenager's internal and external reactions to those conflicts that their parents are having. And children who are pulled into their parents' conflicts are at risk at becoming targets of the parental hostility, which might heighten the perception of the threat. So very often, if parents are fighting bitterly, um, and it could hit a point where, especially if a child, if a parent senses that the child is more empathetic towards one of the parents over the other parent, that the one that feels this way, the parent will inflict their uh, rage and anger towards the child or towards the teenager. And um, sometimes the parents exacerbate the negative impact of their conflict on their children by actually telling the children or the teenagers that they're responsible for the arguments in the first place, which undermines the children's confidence in their own coping uh, skills, um, which happens when you constantly criticize children. Um, it affects their confidence in their own skills of communication. And um, very often, he says, that a big obstacle in helping children deal with parents who lack shalom bias is very often there's a denial, a denial by both parents and sometimes their own, the children themselves regarding the seriousness of the conflict. And even if you discover something serious, whether it's verbal abuse, physical aggression, things like that, um, first thing he says you need to realize that if parents are abusive to each other, if a husband is abusive to the wife and a wife abusive to the husband, it's very likely that they'll be abusive to their children as well. Children meaning from very young age all the way through their teenage years. And um, they'll say, you know, ah, no one has a perfect na- marriage. Uh, you know, people fight all the time. Uh, it's okay, again, to have an imperfect marriage. We all have imperfect marriages. But if it's a loveless and hostile environment and you deny that um, and bl- or blame it on the, the, the child that he's overreacting or she's overreacting, um, that's really unfair and could cause a lot of damage. And um, it's very often these parents who are embroiled in these terrible conflicts with one each other, uh, one, one with each other. Um, they blame often when a child or a teenager is having issues. Oh, it's because of bad friends that they have, or they don't have an adequate Rebbe or teacher. And uh, very often they're blind by the fact that their own home environment is very much contributing to their child's issues. And um, many in the community are eager to attribute the teenagers' deviant behaviors to the influence of outside influences like the internet. We talked in a previous uh, feedback about pornography and other things, so we're not denying that. There are very dangerous outside influence. 
but um, it's not parent bashing at all to suggest the truth that when um, a husband and wife constantly bicker, constantly fight with each other, and are, is a, are verbally abusive to one another and demean each other and have contempt for each other, um, it's not parent bashing to suggest that uh, they take a role in that responsibility of causing that harmful effect on their children. And um, he brings, interesting, from Hosham Shalfal Hirsch, a fascinating yesoid, in his Pirish and Parshas Kiseitse. He talks about a Ben Seider which is basically, you know, a child that goes off the derech. And the halacha is that he's only liable for the death penalties, only chayamisa, if his father and mother have similar voices, similar koilais. What does that mean? So in the push of Shadis, they have the same sound in their voice, same vocal cords, which is very rare. And that's probably one of the reasons why uh, Chazal say that it never happened. How often is it that you have a mother and father both having a similar type of voice? Um, it's not so common. Very, very rare. But Roshan Shalfal Hirsch teaches that when it says the mother and father have a similar voice, that means that they work together. They have a common voice. They work hand in hand. They work together to educate their children. They have full shalom bias with one another. They're aligned with each other, and they're aligned in the same way of how they're mechanach their children in a beautiful way. If they have a similar voice, then the fault can assume to lie in the teva of that ben Sayra Meir who's rebelling. However, if they do not have the same voice, and they have different um, aspects and views in their chinech, and they constantly fight with one another, then the ben Sarah is not a ben Sarah And very often you have a, a child or, or a teenager that's rebellious or has many emotional issues, and uh, it could be bad friends, it could be an inadequate Rebbe or teacher, it could be the internet, it could be pornography, could be many things, but very often it also involves being affected very negatively by the constant fighting of the parents. And um, he goes back to that book, his letter, where you see from the letter that there's a sense of shame that this Bucher feels throughout the letter that he's writing. And... Um, there's research to prove this. There's research and clinical evidence that when parents are unable or unwilling to be attuned to their children's emotional or developmental needs, they create indirectly causing a pervasive, shameful feeling in their children. And this is especially true if the children are the focal point of the conflict. So they're sort of the target of those criticisms. And the child develops an unconscious feeling that they're loathsome or that they have inherent badness in them. And the reaction is emotional withdrawal. They try to stop the parents fighting. Either way, different reactions. And it's a terrible dilemma to place a child in, or a young teenager or even an older teenager. And um, it's important to share this because... 
besides for your own sakes, if you, even if, uh, like I said, there's always hope, um, no matter how uh, difficult the Shalom bias was till now, it is very often reversible. But even if it's not, and even if it's the point of no return, chas shalom, and uh, the divorce is on the horizon, or if parents feel that they're not meant for each other, whatever it is, and we're not getting into that subject now, but let's even go to the path where that's the path. You have to be very careful in being menschlich to each other in the process, and not chalila causing hurt and harm to your children in the process. And certainly marriages where there's no plan of divorce, but it's just a very uh, contentious marriage with constant fighting and disagreements and arguments, it creates a real negative effect. Now, disagreements in marriage is fine. The fact that sometimes there's bumps in the road, also fine. But we're talking here is when there's a discord and a negative uh, um, environment that's constant. That's the norm. And there are different studies on this. Generally speaking, when parents are this way, the boys tend to, that are affected by this, these arguments, they usually are more external in their, in their symptoms. They, they get more aggressive. They bully. Uh, they become more behavioral issues. In classrooms or in teenagers, uh, you know, getting into fights. That's one reaction to being affected by marital discord. With girls, it's usually anxiety, depression within, although it sometimes could be reverse. Yeah, boys that could also withdraw into anxiety and depression, and you have girls that could be outwardly more aggressive. It could go either way, but in general, with boys, it's aggression. With girls, it's anxiety and depression inward. And... Um, also, researchers um, identified that adolescents that are exposed to the marital conflicts of their parents have significantly lower conflict resolution skills. And, um, and, and the reverse is also true. Adolescents that were fortunate to have parents that understood each other, cared deeply for one another, and, um, you know, work things out when they had disagreements in, in, in civil and kind ways, they internalize these skills of good skills, and they learn to develop them in their conflict resolution. And um, it's... Um, we also know that... Um, Studies have shown that there's increases in feelings of aloneness, anxiety, depression, stress, tremendous stress is felt. You may not see it externally. They put up a, a tough front or they won't express. They think they're upset about something else. Um, but they feel extremely isolated and lonely. And very often it decreases cognitive performance it, it uh, decreases academic functioning. Their grades go down. Uh, you have this with a lot of Bochum in yeshiva when they have parents that are in deep conflict. They can't concentrate. They have trouble learning. They have 
have trouble connecting, and they feel very, very uh, lonely, and they're in terrible emotional pain because they love both their parents and um, deep down. And um, when they see this behavior, it really, really hurts them. Um, we're going to continue in another uh, segment shortly, just to finish up. But the key behind all of this is is to realize that um, of the effects of this, how much damage could could be inflicted on your own children when you and your husband or you and your wife um, act out in anger and frustration. And um, for that alone, it's worthwhile to do everything you can to stop that behavior and to reverse that behavior. We'll continue Bezos Hashem in a moment. Okay, we're just continuing on feedback number 31. Um, to add a couple of very important points. Uh, so we spoke about the negative effect of lashing out in anger and screaming and yelling and uh, verbal abuse one to the other, how it could deeply impact negatively the emotional lives of their children and their t- whether young children, teenage children. It's also true um not just when they're actively fighting in open anger, but when they communicate that anger in all kinds of nonverbal ways, such as giving each other dirty looks or the silent treatment, for example. Now, while it's understood that heated arguments and shouting matches in front of the children is terrible, research suggests that for children... Even young children, certainly teenagers, nonverbal conflict can be just as upsetting as open verbal conflict. And um, there's so many extensive studies on this. Um, there's someone, uh, Mark Cummings, a professor of psychology at University of Notre Dame, studied the effects of marital discords on children for more than 20 years. And he explained there that um, children are incredibly attuned to their parents' emotional communication with each other. They're keenly aware that for their parents, nonverbal expression is a key to communicate feelings. And they know that and they sense that. Sometimes they sense that even before they could even articulate it. You could have children that are quite young. Uh, six years old, seven years old, eight years old, that sense this already. And um, for many couples, they're holding a grudge and it's smoldering in them. So they don't let that disagreement erupt into a fighting match. And that seems to be a good way to deal with the conflict. But research shows that this kind of discord can also very much negatively impact and interfere with a child's behavior and the child's sense of emotional security. Because when exposed to this prolonged, unresolved conflict, it's like walking on eggshells. The kids sense this. And they're more likely to get into fights with their peers in school, show distress, anger, or hostility, or withdrawal, or lower grades. And um, it's um, a child 
has risks of the psychological problems that could vary from depression, anxiety, social withdrawal, or aggression because of these um, a non-verbal um, anger that exists between the parents. Examples are the dirty looks, the sulking, the refusing to answer each other's questions. That's extremely upsetting to the children, equally to their verbally fighting or lashing out at each other. And um, and they sense it and they feel it. They have such a um, sort of a radar detector, these children, that they sense it. And unfortunately, the marital resentment that a husband has to the wife and wife to the husband creates a greater likelihood that the child or teenager will blame themselves for the problems that their parents are having. And um, it's, it's, the research has proven this. And um, I know parents are well-meaning. They're trying their best. And um, it's very important, though, that a couple, a husband and wife, if they don't haven't developed it yet, they need to develop what we call emotional intelligence to embrace each other's needs rather than constantly disagreeing with one another. And for their own sakes and also for their children's sakes. And this is true even if, God forbid, you know, shouldn't happen, that there's a decision that the marriage should end. And let's say even if it's not reversible. But nevertheless, it could be done in a menschlichal way where it doesn't negatively affect the kids in a terrible way. That's why it's important, no matter what, to resolve those anger issues that are felt between their parents. And like I said, with if it's reversible. And that behavior, even if it lasted a long time, is reversible. And um, it's very important to resolve that, those anger issues to make your children feel safe and calm and loved. Never bring them into your arguments. Work out your own arguments and differences, especially if you're planning on staying married. There's no reason not to have shalom and search for shalom and run after shalom for your own sakes and for your children's sakes. The biggest gift you could give to your parents, to your um, children, rather, the biggest gift you could give to your children is the gift of a good marriage between yourselves. It gives them confidence. It allows them to feel loved and safe and protected. And it also is a great chinuch to prepare them to how they're supposed to behave with their spouses, Metashem, when they leave the house and start a family of, uh, of their own. So this subject of this feedback is um, a painful one and a difficult one. And um, it hits home. Everyone needs to look at themselves and, you know, really take stock of where their behavior is at. 
and realize that even if there's anger there, and even if you feel you have a right to that anger, there's ways to resolve it. If you can't do it yourself, seek professional help to work through those differences and work towards a reconciliation and uh, a healing of the marriage. Um, in many, many cases, the marriage could be healed and even reversed, and the damage to the children could be reversed. With going forward, they treat each other with respect and with uh, calmness and with the removal of anger and the bringing in of real shalom and peace into Jewish homes all over the world, every single one of them. And um, so the Shekhinah should be in every Jewish home. And that with the Shekhinah Shari, when there's Shalom between a husband and a wife, um, the children are happier, are more at peace with one another, more at peace with their parents, more at peace with themselves. And that's the greatest gift you could give to your children, your own marital harmony, your own Shalom bias being good is a great, great gift to your children. And that's not an understatement. We see from the negative effects, like we talked about for most of this feedback, of how it could affect so negatively uh, the emotional impact of a child or through teenage years and even late teenage years and beyond, the reverse of the positive influence of having a warm, loving environment how much could it help your children? Not just for the time that they're under your roof, but for the rest of their lives. Have a wonderful day.